Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Stockwell service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Gorgeous to be with you today. Lovely to see you. Hello to those of you that I've not met before. Um, as Joe said, my name is also Joe, um, and I'm normally part of our central service. So it's just I know I say it every time, and every time it's true. It is a treat to be here and to be with you. Um, we are actually starting a new series today, a new series of talks over the next few Sundays called the Inward Journey. I was just making sure we get it right because there was a lot of iterations of it. The inward journey, the choices we make and the battles we face. Are you ready for it? <laughs> it sounds like, whoa, yeah, and it kind of actually is actually in um, a lot of ways, but don't panic too much. Um, and I know if we're maybe not always that introspective or we don't enjoy that, that it's not actually just simply about um, thinking about ourselves, but actually taking some time to think about the questions around who is forming us who are we becoming because the truth is as we probably all know we are being formed every day by what we choose to look to what we choose to listen to where we choose to position ourselves we are being formed by something and so at the, the heart of this series is really just to give us some space to ask the question, who is forming me? Who is, be, who is forming us? Who is forming who we're becoming as church? Who's forming who we're becoming as a society, as a nation? This isn't only simply a personal question, but it is a communal one. Who is forming who we are at this point in history? And what are some of the battles that we will face amongst that? And what are some of the choices that we will make in the midst of those battles because the truth is if we are followers of Jesus and as always before we go any further everyone is invited to know him if you are here this morning because you don't know him you're finding out you're curious maybe you don't like him but you found yourself here anyway whatever it may be you're just welcome <laughs> like you're welcome to be here and I hope that as we kind of go through this series this will actually be a really helpful few weeks into understanding what we are invited into what each of us are invited into as followers of Jesus because it's only when we we think about these questions that we can actually understand all that he has for us we can actually know his empowering we can know his presence in the midst of these places within ourselves that overflow into the lives that we are living so over the next few weeks, we're going to be thinking of the battle from cynicism to faith, from lies to truth, from condemnation to forgiveness, from distraction to devotion, from self-sufficiency to belonging, from despair to hope. Da, 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 da. <laughs> there we go. Just some small things that we are going to be giving our attention to. And really, this has kind of also come um, out of we, a, a, few of, a few of us. It's like a lot of us were at the church retreat last summer, um, which is a weekend away that we go on every year as a church. And there was this, there's been this sense, I guess, for a long time. Um, and also at the, the retreat last year, there was a particular, someone just really had this um, sense that 
that God was inviting us to take off the grave clothes um, that might keep us from the life that he has for us. And this has kind of come from that. Actually, if this is what God is kind of nudging us and edging us towards, what does that actually look like? What does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean to let go of the things that don't fit us anymore? The things that we're not supposed to be wearing. If I was to invite you and um, say, hey, do you want to come climb? I am a mountain this weekend. And you're like, yeah, amazing. And you rocked up with a big wheeler case. I'd be like, I think we need to have a little chat about how this is going to work. There's no way that is going to get up the mountain. We might need to look at what you've brought, what you've packed, and we'd probably slim it down and we'd take what we need. And there's some element in a sense that that's what's like internally. Actually, what am I carrying around that isn't fit for the journey that I'm on? That actually I need to pay attention to. I need to have a bit of a rummage around and see what, to, what just, I don't need this. I don't need to keep going around in circles facing these same battles but sometimes God can meet us in a moment and sometimes it might be actually to say will someone help me take this off <laughs> will someone help me lose this and we have the steps course we have other courses here at church there's there's conversations with friends that can just help us in those processes so we are with Mary and Martha today as we delve into their story and we consider the shift from distraction to devotion so this is what it says in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. I'm just going to read that again. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one is needed. Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. It's short, but it's full. <laughs> Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you that we get to read this story this morning. And I pray you know where each of us are at today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet us where you are, where we are at, whether it's my words or whether it's yours, just leaning in another direction. But actually, you would just help us delve into this passage and receive all that you have for us through it. Thank you that we get to just have the gift of this. Amen. Here's some context if you don't know the story. Mary and Martha were two sisters. They were two women living real lives in a real place. Um, they are known to be sisters of Lazarus. They're uh, good friends of Jesus. It was last, actually Lazarus who Jesus raised from the dead. And Jesus said to him, take off your grave clothes um, because you are now alive and you don't need them anymore. Um, in John 11, we find that Martha was actually one of the first people to declare that Jesus was the son of God. And it, it's thought that this is the Mary who would go on to just give this extravagant act of worship to Jesus before he died. 
And on the day of our story, Martha had heard that Jesus, as he traveled around the villages, had come to her village. So she'd gone outside and she'd invited him in like, Jesus, you must be hot. You must be tired. You maybe you've been walking for a while. Come on in. Let me take care of you. Let me look after you. Just come on in and have a rest here. Jesus was probably there with a few of his disciples. So there's probably a bunch of them that arrived um, in the home. And Mary had settled herself at Jesus' feet, listening to Jesus' teaching. And Martha, we're told, was distracted by all the preparations that she had to do. We're not actually told what these preparations are. We don't know whether it was simply preparing a meal for Jesus. We don't know whether it's some people think that Mary might have actually been one of the people that was following Jesus. And so Martha had been on her own for a long time and there was a lot that she was involved in in her village that she got overwhelmed with by herself. And so she sees Jesus and his followers thinking, brilliant, Mary's back, she'll be able to help me. Or maybe Mary had been there and actually she just amazed immediately seen Jesus and she'd positioned herself at his feet to listen to his teaching and this in itself is huge this was counter-cultural for a woman to sit at the feet of Jesus it's this it's not just like oh she's found herself and she's stuck in and she's got a spot it's the language used when you would call someone a disciple an actual follower of Jesus this was not the done place for a woman to find herself so Mary's there. Martha, we don't know what is distracting her. All we know is that she's got a lot of preparations um, going on. <coughs> Either way, Mary was physically and spiritually present and Martha was distracted. And we're not here to polarize or characterize these two women. One is good and one is bad. We should be like this one, but not like this one. We're not here to pass judgment. We have no right to do that to these two women. And Jesus didn't do that. What we see is that he actually helps Martha to see herself. He actually takes some time to help her understand what is happening in here. And then he reorients her. Because whatever the preparations were, Martha was worked up. <laughs> I don't know whether you can imagine the scenario. I don't know whether she tried giving Mary the eye. You know, I don't know if you've ever given anyone the eye. <laughs> Did you do it a lot in school? Not many. If you're a parent, you also probably know you don't need to say a word. You can just give the eye. Maybe she'd done a lot more. She tried to get Mary's attention. Maybe she'd just been muttering to herself in the kitchen. I can't believe it. She sat there again. I would love to be sat there. I mean, I. I blah, 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 blah. Before you know it, there's all sorts going around in her head. Whatever it is, she's worked up, and all of a sudden it bubbles over, and she says, Don't you care? She comes to Jesus and she says, don't you care that I am left here by myself? Don't you care? That is the question that she asks him. Don't you care? Because right now, Jesus, I need someone who cares. With all that I have got going on, I need someone who cares. And this was her question. Don't you care? that I am here by myself with all of this to do. As if she was saying to Jesus, you have no idea what I've got going on. You have no idea what I've got to think about. You have no idea what my week has been like. You have no idea the decisions I'm trying to make. You don't know, you don't have any idea about all these people that I am responsible for, that I need to take care of. Don't you care? Don't you care? <coughs> In her distraction, the frustration, 
the loneliness, the doubt, the pain, it all just spilled over into this question. And isn't that a big question of ours? My guess is at some point we have asked that question. Whether we have invited God into our lives and then we've got distracted with all that we've got going on. Whether we don't even know if he's real, but we still ask him that question, do you care? Do you care? Whether we shout at him or we hardly dare to whisper it. Do you care? Do you care that I am worn out? Do you care that I have all these things going on with the place where I'm living? Do you care that this is happening in my family? Do you care that I've got to make this big life decision? Do you care that I'm reading the news over and over again and I just don't know what to pay attention to and what to listen to? Do you care? Do you care, Jesus? And it's the same question that the disciples asked Jesus when they were on a boat and the storm had hit and Jesus was asleep and they said to him, don't you care that we might drown? How often that becomes the question that rises as distraction leads to anxiousness and worry, which leads us to thinking that we've got to hold everything all by ourselves and we're juggling all these concerns and we're looking around as we're holding on to it all saying, do you care what I'm carrying, God? Do you care what I'm carrying? I know <clears throat> I also find myself like Martha because she thinks she's had uh, the answer to her question. Don't you care? And I know I can certainly do that. Jesus, do you care? Because if you do, this is what would happen. <laughs> if you care, let me tell you what you should do. And yes, there is some sense that we can go back to God and we can pray back the promises that he has given us. We can like say, this is who you are. There is that sense. But how often we are so here in our circumstances and we see this part of them. God, this is what you should do. Martha did this. Don't you care that I'm all by myself? Tell her to help me. It reminded me when I was in a nursery teaching with some kids one day and I saw this little person, I went over and I said, have you had your snack? And she was like, yeah, tell her I want some more. <laughs> I mean, another nursery teacher. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's how this works. But uh, tell her to help me. You can just imagine it. Tell her, Jesus, to come in and help me. In essence, if you tell Mary to help me, I think I'll get through this day. I think I'll be able to manage this situation. I'll then be able to handle it. If you tell her how to help me, I'll be able to get through. But Jesus sees the bigger picture. He lives the bigger picture. So when Martha asks him, don't you care? Tell Mary to come and help me. Jesus doesn't give a quick fix solution and nudge Mary. Oh, you're right. Sorry, Martha. Mary, why don't you head over there? I'll do a miracle and we'll all eat later. Like, this is how I roll. He doesn't just say that. He doesn't <coughs> say. He speaks to Martha's heart. And I love this about Jesus. Whenever we find him in the Bible, he always goes beyond people's words and answers their hearts. People come to, them with a come to him with a question and he always answers what is actually going on. This is what Jesus does. And we can trust that this is what he does with us. He's always about our hearts, the bigger picture. And so his response to Martha's question isn't her solution, but it's to call her by name twice. 
I'm sure if you found yourself in a situation, maybe if you are a parent, you've got you know kids, or there's just a friend that is worked up when you're trying to actually get them to be present with you. Martha, Martha, Rosie, Rosie, like you, yet all of this is going on, but here I am. This is what Jesus is saying. He calls her name twice. He calls to her attention, her presence. You can imagine that she stopped and looked at him. And in that moment of connection, Jesus said, you're worried about lots of things. You're worried about lots of things. Jesus was giving Martha a chance to see herself. He didn't tell her off for work and he didn't say, Martha, just come and sit down. He didn't say, how dare you question me? How dare you say this to me? He simply let her see her heart. You're worried about lots of things. Your mind is all over the place on all these details, on all these preparations, on what Mary is or isn't doing. You're distracted. Don't worry what this person is doing. Where's your heart at? What's going on in your internal world? Because what's going on in here will overflow into the way that you live your life. Martha came to tell Jesus about Mary and Jesus told Martha about herself. You're worried about lots of things. And I wonder how many of us, Jesus might just literally simply be saying our name to this morning. (laughs) that he's just inviting us in this space as we gather together for this tiny amount of time in our week. He's literally calling us by name to say, look at me, look at me. Come into this moment, bring your presence and your attention and your focus and let me meet you in this place. It's been said that we live in an age of distraction This doesn't mean that we simply have a shorter attention span, but it's a comment on who we're becoming, what we believe about life. In a study from King's College London, they actually have a center for attention studies. 47% of people said that they believe deep thinking was a thing of the past. And it goes on to speak about how we're in a reaction culture. We're losing, in some sense, this ability to engage with the nuances and we're simply reacting and we're leading to polarised and opposing groups. 60% of UK adults wish their lives were simpler. 41% have said that the pace of life is too much for them. Nearly half, according to this study, nearly half of the adults in the UK feel like Martha on a continual basis continually distracted and worried about many things overwhelmed and lonely and this is adults the same study says we're not actually preparing our young people our generation for the age that we find ourselves in with all this connection that we have due to technology what about our presence What about our presence? And some of this overwhelm is obviously to do with technology. The same King's report that said that six in 10 adults struggle to stop checking their phones when they know their focus should be elsewhere. And according to a report in the BBC, people are spending an average of 4.8 hours a day on their phones. 
That's nearly a quarter of our working, working, waking lives on our phones. <laughs> and some of us may be doing great things on our phone. We've had incredible advances because of technology. Again, it's not this is good and this is bad, but who knows how easy it is to start looking for train times to Guildford and then researching what languages a certain jazz singer speaks. It's <laughs> my latest search yesterday. <laughs> Who has ever gone down that track? Uh -huh. I've, uh, just go back to your Google questions. I did mine and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Why do I even need to know these things? Like, and a half an hour of my life is just gone. Brilliant, good for him, he speaks all those languages. Great, how has that actually helped me? And this isn't simply out there, this is us. This is the church. This is, I guess, if, if you're anything like me, you can identify with this. Mark Sayers, who I know many of us will have heard of, he has a podcast um, and a few books, and just it's just a really helpful thinker on putting language around what is going on in our generation and our culture at the moment. And I heard him say this in a talk recently. This moment in history promises freedom and exploration and creativity, but we're just being mined for our attention. Cell phones, social media, and increasingly even facial recognition in stores is all mining how we act, how we move, what we do, and it's stealing our attention. We're being studied and our attention has become a commodity in the world. And I call this talk the price for our attention. Because I guess we get to ask ourselves, our attention is being fought over. <laughs> and what is the price that we are willing to pay? What is the cost that we are willing to pay for our attention? Our attention is the act or the power of fixing our mind, fixing our presence, fixing our gaze on something and leaving other things, choosing to leave other things. We have the power of our attention. We have been gifted that by God. We hold the power to decide whether or where our attention goes. Technology isn't going away. And as I said, it's not that it's bad. It's, it's brought some amazing creativity, some incredible things that we've able to done. But the question is, how is it forming us? How am I being formed? How do I live in this generation? There are some really helpful books. I know um, there's helpful books. We've just had an online um, session for kids, uh, mental well-being for kids in an online world that you can watch and church. Live No Lies is a really helpful book. There's a Tim Keller book on families and technology that a lot of people I know with families have found really helpful. There's some really helpful resources out there, but all, there's also something about just stopping and asking ourselves the question and then working out what we do from there. We're not just jumping, but we're actually thinking, who am I becoming? <laughs> What is forming me? I imagine a deep breath came from Martha when Jesus spoke her name. Imagine that moment when someone gives us permission to stop. We don't know, as I said, exactly what she was worried about, but it mattered to Jesus. It matters to him what we are giving our attention to. It matters to him. And would Jesus say the same thing to us this morning? 
you're distracted, you're worried about many things. And this isn't a judgment phrase. This is an invite to see ourselves, an invite to have this space. And the important thing is Martha knew where to go with her question when she comes to Jesus, even in her frustration, when she's just honest with him and comes to him, when she brings her question, her weariness, when she brings herself to him, she's in the right place. And it's here that she meets Jesus. She didn't prepare a fine speech. It doesn't sound like it. She didn't work out, rub out the right words, (laughs) make this all like the perfect thing to say. She simply came with the questions on her heart and Jesus went, deeper sometimes we don't even realize what is going on on here in here until we ask the first question and we don't need to it's the act of coming to Jesus the bringing of our questions our weariness our frustration our pain do you care Jesus do you care do you care what is going on do you care what I'm looking at do you care what I'm listening to do you care where my attention is even when we feel like a mess it's the act of coming to him that begins to make sense of our heart. Jesus says you're worried about many things, but only one is needed. And this word has a strong conviction about it. It's not, hey, Martha, you might feel a bit better if you just did this one thing. Or Martha, do you know what? You'll feel quite nice for 10 minutes if you just come and spend some time listening to me at my feet. Jesus said this word has necessary. It has this sense of duty. One thing is necessary. One thing, whether we've got a job or not, whether we've got a family or not, whether we know exactly how our life is going to turn out, good, well done if you do, or not. <coughs> whether we're responsible for a lot of things or a few things, whether we find ourselves in education or politics or the arts, one thing, Jesus says, one thing is necessary. Come and sit at my feet. Come and find your attention given here. One thing, let life flow from here. Anchor yourself in my presence. The gift of his presence. Come to me. When we're carrying everything, Jesus, one of my favorite verses is, come to me if you're weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. It's the greatest exchange. And I can almost feel some of us, maybe you're thinking, sounds great, Joe. (laughs) you don't know what my week looks like. You don't, you don't know what I've got going on. And the truth is, I don't. And you're not answerable to me. <laughs> this isn't about that. I'm simply putting Jesus's words before us this morning, before in front of me. God is speaking to me. I am one thing Jesus says is necessary. This is between you and God. One thing is necessary. One thing is your duty to come to me, to sit with me, to look at me and to listen to me and let life happen from here. I've been so struck as I've just been listening to and reading things that from different churches around the world, speaking about this time in our culture, in generation, and the people with the same desire that we have as a church for renewal or awakening or revival or whatever you want to call it, but this, this new season of just God's presence overflowing um, into all areas of life and just many people coming to set now his life and his freedom. And what I feel like I'm hearing over and over again is so simple. 
What if this move of God isn't about some people being in key positions of influence and power as amazing as that is? What if it isn't about some people preaching and teaching as as good as we hope we do? What if it isn't about some people being able to give their full-time life to working for the church or whatever it might be? What if it is about every single one of us simply going after this one thing? What if that's what Jesus is inviting us into? What if it's simply that he's knowing he's calling each of us by name? And he's inviting us to give him our time. What if that is the great rebellion? What if that is it? And I don't know what this might look like to you, but what if we did an attention audit of our lives? What if we thought about the first thing that we we look at when we wake up in the morning? What if we clocked the amount of time that we spend randomly searching for the languages that (laughs) jazz singers speak? What if we actually clocked the the times that we're giving our attention to? What if we thought about the things that are telling us what the good life is? What if we actually asked our question, what values do I carry and where are those values coming from? What if we actually stopped and asked, what am I living for? What do I believe that happiness is? What if we asked some of these questions as we just spend time with Jesus? And it might look different for each of us. I don't know what that would exactly look like for you. And Jesus isn't saying, hey, stop everything you're doing and just come and sit here. In the story just before Mary and Martha, we'd actually actively taught about the Good Samaritan. And it was about active care for one another. In a later passage, which I love, it said again that Jesus and his followers had come to the house and Martha served them. And it was exactly, it was what she was gifted to do. But it's about where it's coming from. We're meant to be in the nitty gritty of life, the rawness of life. We're meant to cook dinner for friends, enjoy creativity, embrace all these gorgeous things. But when we become so absorbed in our circumstances and we lose sight and lose the ear of the one that we're living for, who are we becoming? Romans 12 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to see what God is up to, basically. <laughs> then you will be able to know what he is about. To be conformed <laughs> is to be shaped in the form of others. To be transformed is actually to move from and move across. So we actually get to embody the presence of Jesus as Hannah so amazingly taught about last week. If this one thing we have, a, as a follower of Jesus, we have a calling. This is our one thing. And if you are thinking about following him, whenever I think about this, this is the greatest thing that we can give our lives to. I 100% believe it. To actually make this the first and foremost thing that whatever else we do, my calling in life is to make sure my attention is on him. To look to him, to listen to him. A word calling is used in legal terms. Once a barrister's completed their training, they're called to the bar and the ceremony takes place like uh, the courts of justice and then they're able to have the title of barrister. And it's the same we're given this passage in Corinthians that says, um, you've been called into fellowship with Jesus Christ, which means that we actually have, it's that same element. Each of us have been called, given this sense of being a follower of Jesus, this incredible partnership. I'm going to finish here. 
Um, Jesus says Mary has chosen, and what she has chosen will not be taken away from her. We can trust his heart. And I would simply invite us this week to maybe just go away and reflect on some of these questions that Jesus is inviting us to reflect upon, to actually think, what if I orientated my life around attention on him and his ways, on his word, on actually doing this together? If you think, I don't know what to do, chat to someone, <laughs> go join a connect group, talk about it. I was really like, I just really want to pray. I was like, um, just before Easter, I was like, I think I just need to start praying every morning. And I knew probably if I did it myself, I'd set my alarm clock and I'd turn it off again. So I just invited people, hey, who wants to join me on Zoom to pray every morning at seven? <laughs> There's ways that we can navigate this together. And it's not about that, but it's about actually having the conversations to say, am I going to be awake to what God is doing in this season? <laughs> am I going to move from distraction to devotion? so that I can see and I can hear and I can give my all. Our seemingly little decisions every day become the path of our life. You've probably heard this example, but a ship when setting the course of its journey is here and it's heading here. And if it goes off course by one degree one day, it's not that tricky to get back. But if it goes um, one degree the next day, 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 it's soon at a completely different angle. And after the first mile, it will be 46 feet off course. After 100 miles, nearly, mile, um, nearly a mile off course. And after 1,000 miles, the ship is nearly nine miles off course. And so we can go on. And sometimes it's just stopping and thinking, if Jesus is the one I'm after, where am I oriented to? What is happening and this is an invite, and I would just love the band to come back. Thanks, Gorge. And as we go on to worship, we're going to sing. And I would just invite you to just, if you feel like Martha this morning, just bring it to Jesus. Just tell him what's on your heart. Just allow him to meet you in that space. And if you want to take some of these questions as an invite to actually go away with and just mull over and think, okay, God, I want to give you my devotion. Father, we just thank you that you have invited us into this. This is the adventure that you have invited us to live on. We have no idea what can come when we give you our devotion. This isn't about simply a tick box exercise, but this is about reorienting our lives around your plans and your purposes. This is about lifting our eyes to see beyond the circumstances that we can see. This is about being empowered by your Holy Spirit that so that as your church, we can stand in this generation and say, we know one who cares. We know one who cares and he comes alongside us to give us rest, to instill hope, to awaken us to the life that goes beyond this one that we can see. We know there is a time coming when all will be made new. We don't exactly know what that is gonna look like, but Jesus, I wanna thank you that you have said that your presence will never be taken from us. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, you are our helper. 
I pray that you would help us make this the one thing that we give our lives to, that everything will flow from this place of having our hearts anchored in your presence. Would you help us to have good conversations? Would you help us to cheer and spare one another on? Would you help us to reorient our lives as a service, as a church, around the presence of God? In your name, amen.